Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Run Out Radio. I'm Jerry Forsyth alongside Mike Howerton. And, of course, we are brought to you by Predator Cues. Check out their expanding product line at www.predatorcues.com and by the Billiard Congress of America. And do check out their new website, generationpool.com. There's a lot on both of those sites for you to see and to enjoy. Mike, how are you this week, buddy? I'm doing good. Uh, just got back from the Arizona State BCA Championship. That was a lot of fun, but as always, I'm glad to be home. Yeah, those uh, four-day tournaments kind of always wind up with a long drive home late at night, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I really enjoy those events, but four days, even at a pool tournament, is, uh, is enough to make you want to come home. Indeed. Well, we've got a lot to talk about this week. Um, we've just fielded a, a nice field of uh, very powerful players to represent the United States in the World 10-Ball uh, Championship. It's coming up in Manila. And uh, really, that's, that's quite a powerhouse field that uh, America is going to send over there. Yeah, I, I mean, I looked at the field, and, and it, it looks to me as if it's one of the strongest fields that we've sent to an international event in a long time. Um, we've got Johnny Archer, we've got Shane Van Boning, uh, we've got Jeremy and Gabe Owen, uh, Rob Sayez, Corey Duell, Louis Ulrich, Hillbilly Charlie Bryant, Sean Wilkie, Charlie Williams, Stevie Moore, Oscar Dominguez, which is interesting, um, because as you know, well, as our listeners may not know, the determining factor to be on the team is you have to have a U.S. passport. So Ernesto Dominguez was not able to go due to that, but his son Oscar Dominguez qualified. And then we do send one European player who has not already been invited by their federation, and that was Mika Eminen this year. Um, all in all, that's a pretty strong team. Not only is it strong, it's also the largest team that we've ever sent to a world championship. That's more players than America has ever put on the planes before. Well, I wish all of those players luck. It'd be really nice to see an American win the first official World Ten Ball Championship. Boy, wouldn't that be great. And that's not all that's going on. We had the first million-dollar shootout this past weekend. A disappointing turnout, to say the least, but uh, it's a beginning, and uh, Corey Duell came away with that crown. Yeah, uh, that was another really strong field. Um, Orcoyo, Corey, Shane, uh, Bustamante. There were a number, I mean, looking over the field, I thought probably half the field was capable of winning it, uh, you know, just on, on name power alone, but... 12 players, that's that's a little disappointing. Um, you know, I, I hope Allen sticks with that. The biggest problem I have is it's difficult to compare a poker tournament to a pool tournament because your average amateur player can win a poker tournament and they can't win a pool tournament. Uh, if you look at the performance from a couple of the regional players who won qualifiers, you could see that they were not going to win that tournament, They're not going to come anywhere close. Well, the hope would be that you could start these qualifiers earlier, um, get more support than the qualifiers got this year, because, frankly, 
many of the qualifiers wound up not as qualifiers because they didn't have enough players. And, you know, find a way that people can get into the tournament without just having to lay out $5,000 in cash. Uh, I think that was the big hurdle that people just could not overcome. Um, you know, I mean, even John Schmidt made the trip up there, but once his backer uh, saw the number of players in the field, uh, he backed away from it. He said, this is not enough people. There's too much risk, not enough reward. But that can be cured if uh, the qualifier system could be popularized and made to work. Yeah, I mean... I can see where where his backer was coming from. I, when you looked at the field and looked at the fact that you were putting out five thousand to play in that event, the possibility of winning twenty thousand. When you play at the World Series of Poker, and I understand that the World Series of Poker has been around for many, many more years than almost every pool tournament out there, but you're looking at a four to one return if you take first place against that field of players. Those odds aren't real good. No, they're definitely not. But they can get better. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, a real quick aside, you might get a kick out of this. Uh, yeah, It's a good example that pool players aren't the only players with egos. Um, I read somewhere once that the first year they had the World Series of Poker, they had nine players. And in order to determine who their overall winner was for the entire event, they ask each one of the nine players who they thought the best player was during all those events, during, uh, during all the different events they had, and they came back with nine votes for each player. And each player got one vote. So <laughs> they had to go back and say, all right, who do you think the second best player was? And then right. they actually got a, uh, a majority decision. Well, one of the uh, posters on our forum said that the genesis of the World Poker Championship, we're getting off topic here, uh, was that the boys in Las Vegas wanted to uh, get in the pockets of some gamblers from Texas. So they uh, formed this World Series of Poker and invited the boys from Texas out to Vegas to play a little card. From small things, great things happen. Well, I, th I don't think we can uh, we can really avoid discussing the controversy going on on uh, the Junior World Championships and Charlie Williams events and the letter from Thomas Overbeck. Uh, I know you read that same letter that I did, Jerry. Yeah, and I, I see both sides of this coin. I mean, the, the WPA has done a lot of work uh, in the last going on 20 years now uh, to make the World Championship title something very, very special. Um, at the same time, the, uh, there were world championships before the WPA existed, uh, that I think we have to give credence to. I mean, certainly Moscone was a world champion. Um, and it's, it's a little much to ask, uh, uh from the WPA's viewpoint that people give only their events credence. Although it's becoming less so every year. Now that the WPA has um, world championships in all these different disciplines, uh, I think that, that, that Thomas's complaint has validity going forward. Um, I think that uh, it would be a very good thing if promoters 
would avoid the name world championship unless they get it sanctioned by the world body. Well, I agree. I mean, you do have to get the event sanctioned. You can't just say, well, okay, there's a world 10-ball championship now, but there isn't a junior world 10-ball championship. Um, you know, it, it seems like some of the promoters, they're just looking for whatever events they can hold where there isn't a competing quote-unquote world championship, and that gives credibility to their event. Um, and then the WPA is trying to catch up by actually sanctioning these events. I mean, in a couple of years, you're going to have the left-handed held-on-a-Wednesday world championship. <laughs> well, they do currently have. I mean, let's look at all of them. They've got the world juniors. They've got the wheelchair worlds. Um, they've got nine ball, eight ball, ten ball, straight pool. They're doing a pretty good job of covering all the bases now. Yeah, and, and I find it interesting, you know, very similar to when the BCA pulled the point system from the UPA, which I certainly don't want to get back into that conversation on this show. Um, right. But the fans online are saying some of the same things. Who is the WPA to be determining who a world championship is? Well, the WPA is, is still the governing body of pool until another one forms and takes that, uh, that position from them. So to say who are they to determine who a world championship or who a world champion is, they are the people to determine who a world champion is. I agree, and, and you know, it's, it's an old problem in the world of pool in that nobody wants to be a part of somebody else's creation. They all want to do their own thing, and that's always harmed the game. It will continue to harm the game until everybody gets on the same wagon and points that wagon in one direction. We're not going to get anywhere. Well, but who in this game has the name power and is non-political enough to actually get the rest of the game to line up behind them. Well, if there was a market for it, that name would be Barry Hearn, but there's just not enough international television market uh, for all of the events. No, it's, it's truly a shame. I mean, you know, we... We talk about it every show, it seems, uh, you know, the negative things that, that are happening and, and the, the bad signs that are out there. But, I mean, we'd love to talk about something positive. There just isn't a whole lot positive out there to talk about. Well, <clears throat> we just have to hope for a brighter future. Well, and, and we say that there isn't a whole lot out there positive to talk about, but, you know... I guess we just have to look a little bit further. Um, you know, there was a note on the forums, or, or I'm sorry, there was a, a story on the main site that um, Dave Fernandez over on the East Coast picked up a new sponsor, and then there was also the story about Debbie Schott with uh, Pool Dog. I mean, some of the regional players are picking up sponsorship, and they're certainly not picking it up because they're beating the Efrens and the Allisons of the world. They're picking it up because the sponsors see something in those players that they like and that they want to be involved with. Um, 
Another player that I think is doing some very positive things out there, and we've talked about it before, is Melissa Little. And Melissa sent me an email recently saying that she'll be holding the third annual Junior Colorado State Nine Ball Championship. I don't know if she's checked with the WPA yet to make sure that that name's okay, but I, I'm assuming it will be. Um, that event will be on Saturday, September 27th. And of, as usual, Melissa is getting all of her sponsors behind this, but she's also looking for people in the industry who may have product that they can donate for the event. Uh, she's made it clear she's not looking for money, which in the pool world, that's a good thing. Uh, she just wants gift certificates, awards, uh, anything that she can to help offer prizes to these kids. And personally, I think what she is doing and what she has done in the past is a very good thing. And I think we should all try to help her out as much as we can. Um, how would someone with product get in touch with her? You can go to her website. It's www.melissalittle.com, and uh, you can contact her through her website. I definitely urge anyone who can help out to check out the website and help any way they can. I know we here at AZ Billiards will be. Very good. Well, speaking of junior players, we have a very special guest with us today, and she sponsors a couple of junior players herself and what who we're talking about here is the new WPBA number one Kelly Fisher Kelly are you with us I am hello good uh, good morning good morning to you good to be with you uh, first congratulations how do you like being Thank number you. one <laughs> it's actually um, still hasn't sunk in I don't think um, it comes some surprise of course well <clears throat> It may have been a surprise to you, but I think a lot of fans were just uh, waiting for the moment to occur. Um, you've been very well heralded since you made it over to our shores. Right. I just didn't expect um, at that tournament, actually, that um, it was possible to become number one. You know, going into the event, I never realized or dreamed it was possible to, to actually achieve that. So, um, obviously, I was aiming for that all along and now it's uh, up to me to try and keep hold of the, <laughs> the number one spot which is hard easier said than done but uh, yes I was very surprised that I was able to obtain that um, by winning the US Open and like I said I'm, I'm overjoyed. Well um, I was kind of surprised I was thinking that uh, when you finally took over number one on the points list it would be from San Diego you seem to have a special relationship with that tournament in San Diego. I know, and after losing it this year, I thought, now what? <laughs> but no, I'm very, very pleased to win elsewhere. It uh, hopefully has unlocked the lock that was preventing me from doing that now. So uh, I hope I can go to win a few more. <laughs> well, I'm sure you will. What exactly was it about San Diego, do you think, that that made that tournament, I mean, winning it three times in a row, what was it about that event well, uh, to be honest with you, I'm, there's, there's no answer for that. I mean, after the first first time I won it there and then not winning any other event going back the following year, you know, obviously I just liked it there because of my experience the previous year by winning. And then to win it again, I was like, wow, and not to win another event, it was kind of something a little strange going on. By the time the third year come around, I was... I was going in there confidently, <laughs> feeling like it was uh, 
some kind of omen that I, I should win here. But um, as you can see, obviously this year that didn't that didn't happen. So, um, but yeah, I mean it was it was just my favourite event. It become obviously just by winning there. <laughs> well, it was your favourite event before Oklahoma. Do you have a new favourite event now? That's why I said in uh, in my speech at the end. I think I could maybe say this is my new favourite event. But no, I mean fantastic event they put on there for us. Um, a fantastic casino, and they did a great job. In fact, it was definitely one of the nicest events. Um, you know, the arena is huge, and um, it was certainly got a big crowd and everything. It was a very good event and a well-put-on event. San Diego, though, I mean, unless I start winning Oklahoma every year for the next four or five years, San Diego, I don't know, I still has a, a spot in my heart. <laughs> you know, Kelly, one of the things that you're being number one makes you consider is where the WPBA has come. I mean, 10 years ago, the WPBA was just the Allison Fisher show, and then it became the Allison and Karen show. But now there seems to be a lot of parity in the field. You've come over, uh, of course, Guy Young Kim, uh, the rest of the Asian invasion. Now you've got players coming over from the Philippines. Um, it seems to the fans that it's a much more competitive environment at the WPBA than it was just, well, not too long ago. Right. I mean, when I first when I first come over, um, you know, I remember thinking how tough how tough the field was then. Um, Alison and Karen, as as you said, was dominating and and clearly, kind of seemingly, should I say. Um, a step above everybody that the way they were winning and dominating the tour and in the I've seen such a difference since I've been here over the last couple of years um after coming over, you know I was doing okay, and then one more guy came and I mean she was already here, but she stepped up a gear and I think the bar is just like you said raising every single year, if not every single tournament we have a new face um whether it's Asian invasion, or like you say, from the Philippines, where certainly the, the 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 talent and the it's raising the bar. The standard of play is increasing per event, really. It's getting that fast. So as older players have to keep up with that, you see. <laughs> Besides being number one on tour, and I, I know you have some other things going on, uh, you've got a line of cues out now. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, quickfire cues? Yeah, um, it was about last year that decided myself and Val decided to come up with, um, you know, some something extra. We wanted to get together and uh, and do something extra. And both of us got together with Linda Paul and Morgan Steinman and um, put together the company Quickfire. Um, we wanted to bring out a line of cues, artwork, clothing, and and a variation of different products. Um, obviously, Quickfire being my name. Um, you know, it was kind of a, my nickname, it was kind of a funky name, it was like a skateboardy kind of theme. So we were going to bring out, I'm still our plan to bring out a, a range of products. Um, the cues, however, have been our first priority and, um, you know, have been fantastic. We have Val designed all the cues and Carolina Custom Cues have, have made them for us. And they've been going really well. So it's, it's a lot of hard work. I didn't realize the, the work you have to put into it, but... Uh, yeah, very happy and hope to continue and bring out different products down the line. And where can the fans get uh, more information or see some of the cues online? 
Yeah, um, it's quickfireinc.com, and that's quickfire spelled spelled a little differently. It's K W I K F I R E quickfireinc.com. And uh, your Quickfire company is doing some good things for some young people. Can you tell us a little bit about the Quickfire kids, how you got that idea and, and where you're going with that project? Hi. Well, we, you know, we decided to, to put together a team Quickfire, which was um, the six of us in total of ladies on the WTBA that are all sponsored by Quickfire, representing the company and playing with the kids. And that's worked really well. Um, we want to, in the future, do a lot more with that. But during Valley Forge of this year, it was um, we so a little girl stopped by the booth, um, and then Taylor Reynolds, with her father, and we were chit chatting. And I watched her play a little, and she was she's going to be a superstar. <laughs> she really is, and she was uh, firing balls in everywhere. I mean, really, it was phenomenal to watch. Um, and Val, Val Finney, actually, that evening, turned around and said, we should sponsor that little girl. And um, we chatted and chatted with Linda Morgan and everybody. We all had a chat. And basically, it was Val's idea and decided to sponsor a little boy and a girl and call them the Quickfire Kids. And what we intend to do is help promote them, help them financially in the future. They are both playing with our cues and uh, are very happy doing so. And hopefully push them and keep them in the right direction and, and push them as uh, as players and to get them recognised as much as possible and help them along their way to, to what their dreams are of coming the best in the world. Well, Kelly, it's always nice to touch base with you. Please uh, please stay in touch. Let us know how things are going with you and Quickfire and the Quickfire kids and everything you've got going. You seem to have a lot of irons in the fire, but um, we at Run Out Radio want to wish you all the best. and. Thank you very much for doing the interview with us today. Thank you very much. It's nice talking to you. Thanks. Well, it's always nice touching base with Kelly Fisher. She's really quite a, a very charming personality and quite a talented Q. Um, did you get anything special out of that conversation, Mike? Well, the part that jumped out at me the most was right there at the end when she mentioned the relationship that she was trying to put together with the quickfire kids. She's not just sponsoring them and giving them money. She's not just having them use her cues. She's actively trying to offer advice and help them along their ways in their billiards career. And that is a very refreshing thing to hear because there are a lot of junior players out there who maybe are not getting the right advice and they're just going to repeat the same mistakes that we've seen in this game over and over again. So I really applaud Kelly and Val and Morgan and Linda, everyone involved at Quickfire, for doing more than just giving money and cues, but actually offering advice and saying, look, we've been here before and these are the things that you need to do. Absolutely. And um, it's, it's great to see players stepping up to the plate and taking care of the kids like that. It's also great to see the WPBA becoming a more level playing ground. I mean, as much as we love Allison Fisher, I mean, how can you not? She's a wonderful person. She's done fantastic things for the game. But it's really good to see some competition coming into play now. Um, I, I really like what I'm seeing in the uh, – 
competitive arena of the WPBA, and it should be very, very interesting to watch uh, from here on in. Oh yeah, I'm real curious what their uh, what their ratings are going to be for those shows that came out of Oklahoma, because the fans will get a chance to see some of these uh, players that they're not familiar with. And it's not like we're mourning the end of Allison Fisher's career. Uh, Allison Fisher will be the number one player again. I have no doubt in my mind. I expect sometime this year she will be the number one player again. But for a moment, we'll take a break from the Allison Fisher show. Maybe it's halftime. Who knows? Um... And we'll get an opportunity to see some of these up-and-coming players. And and I'd love to see Iris Renola continue to perform the way she did in Oklahoma. And, and uh, you, Ram Chah, she's come a long way in a very short time. At the very least, you know, we have an opportunity to see some, some new players up there challenging the established top players in the WPBA. And it's it's a good thing for the WPBA. It's a good thing for Poole altogether. I agree. And I think that's about it for our show this week, Mike. I think so. All right. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, It's Jerry Forsyth and Mike Howerton with Run Out Radio. We are signing off for now, and we'll be back just as soon as the news demands that we do so.